It is the 200 level, episode 290, Mike Carpenter in the basement on another glorious fall Sunday. Good to see you guys joining me. We see the numbers kind of creep up. I know it's a Sunday morning and not always conducive to joining a YouTube stream, but when Illinois is 6-1, and one, I think we're all just trying to consume as much Illini things as we can. I want to start by saying I met a bunch of listeners in the lots yesterday. Lot 31 was electric, and I'm sure that the other lots were as well, but what a great time. It was great meeting uh, Michael and Kelly, uh, Gerard. We met Ray. Oh, gosh, there were three other guys. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm losing track of names. Ethan was able to stop by, uh, among others, that came to say hi. Jacob, it was nice meeting you too. And I'll be at that same general area, so always be welcome to feel feel free to come by and say hi because I can talk a lot of football to anyone at this point. And that's what we did all yesterday. If it wasn't watching the game, it was talking about the game. This is what differentiates these tailgates from previous years, where the tailgate was what you looked forward to far more than the game. And I'm finding out very quickly that if you have a good football team, a tailgate, which is already a lot of fun, becomes that much more fun. Yesterday was, and I say this without hyperbole, I say this without hyperbole, one of the best days of my life. And you're thinking, whoa, carp. Well, first off, we're all big sports fans. Otherwise, you wouldn't be tuning in and I wouldn't be doing this podcast, right? The tailgate was fantastic. We had a bunch of friends and family down, including uh, our good family friend, Gino. My dad and him go way back. And Gino used to be the tailgate master. Well, he kind of scaled back when Illinois football just, it became not even worth it. The Beckman and the early Lovey Smith years. So now he's back helping us out. He brought some of his stuff and we had a really good tailgate setup going and a lot of our friends from Chicago and other U of I alums were in town as well. And you could sense that the buzz was different in Lot 31. And it, and it picked up pretty quick. I mean, I got there at about 7.20, which is when I usually do. And the spot that I had the week before around the 50-yard line already taken. That was the first sign that this might be a little bit different. When my dad and I were walking into the game, that's when you really kind of capture just how different this was. And no, it was not a sellout crowd. It was 45,000. Sure, I'd love for it to be 62. I will say like I did last week, for the 45,000 people that were in the stands for this game, they knew what to do. That was a home field advantage. And I can only imagine if they continue what they're doing that, yes, you will get up to the 55s and the 62s. and, And you might even get that for the Purdue game, which is essentially at this point, the Big Ten West title. We're going to get into all these crazy scenarios, let's call them, that really aren't crazy anymore. These are entirely realistic based on how well Illinois is playing and the schedule that's in front of them. What I harped on a lot before the Wisconsin game was, I'm just going off of what I've seen. And the Indiana game aside, even though there were still probably more positives in that game than negatives, you have seen Illinois not just be the better team, for seven straight weeks. You've seen them essentially dominate. I got some stats, some team stats that will show you what Illinois is a team versus their opponents, cumulative, what that looks like to show you that this is not some sort of flash in the pan thing. This is more dominant than the Rose Bowl year. And I know that that team, and I agree with Jeremy, what he said on yesterday's podcast, he said that that team probably had more high-end talent, at least on offense. Like Rashard Mendenhall, as much as I love Chase, yeah, Rashard was a once-in-a-lifetime kind of talent. 
Regis Ben, one of the best wide receivers that ever came through here. In that freshman year, he was electric. And there were other guys like a Jeff Cumberland was an afterthought. Well, where's the Jeff Cumberland on this team? However, as a collective unit, I think this team is better than the Rose Bowl team, at least through the first seven games. They're better coached for sure. And while that team in 07, their ceiling was as high as you could usually ask for for an Illinois football team, you also knew that they were capable of laying eggs, which they did four times that year. The losses against Missouri, Iowa, Michigan, and then the way you lost to USC showed that, you know, it just, there was only so much they could do with Ron Zook and that staff. I don't feel the same way about this team. And it's kind of silly maybe to compare them to a team that's 15 years ago, but that's really all we can do. You know, we got to compare to previous successful Illini teams I have never been this at ease walking into the stadium. The Iowa game was a little bit different. I think night game and all the anticipation building up. And it's just, I I was like this whirling dervish of energy inside of me that was wanting to get out. And it finally, catharsis, it did about 10 o'clock last Saturday night. But man, that was a long buildup. And there was more than a few moments in that game where you thought, oh God, did we blow it? Yesterday, from the moment I woke up at five, I thought, we're winning this game. Now, I got to let you know, and I'm not going to spill the beans on who told me this, but a good source let me know Friday night that DeVito was likely to start. And I had this thing throughout the week where the longer it went and the more coy Brett Bielema was being, I thought, eh, I think DeVito's playing. And then it was confirmed at 9 a.m. on Saturday. But even from the minute I woke up Saturday morning, I thought, we got this, and it's going to be a beautiful day. And it was every single thing about yesterday. And yeah, the Yankees lost. I don't care. Illinois football doing this right now is more than just a distraction. It would take a whole heck of a lot sports-wise to get me down. So it was a perfect day from the word go. And the game itself, there has been some impressive wins this year. There's been some impressive wins dating back to Penn State last year. I think this was the most impressive. And I say that after beating Wisconsin 34 to 10. Well, we see Wisconsin drop one at Michigan State. They're a mess. And maybe you helped lead them down that road of becoming a mess because you got their coach fired. I think Wisconsin might have struggled no matter what, but now you're seeing a team really kind of scrounging. Well, Minnesota is a little bit more established. Minnesota is not great. And we knew that coming in, but I thought objectively they were good. Well, let's say Minnesota is objectively good and they go on to win seven games this year, which I think is very reasonable and maybe eight. I need to look at their schedule and see, but they're going to win some more games and they are not bad. Their defense is not bad. You can see schematically that often they are in the right place, but it didn't matter. Our offense kept making plays and I know we need to punch it in more. We'll talk about that. But you outgained them 470 or 472, whatever it is, to 180. You almost tripled them. This is a Minnesota team with a fifth-year starter, Tanner Morgan, with a really good running back. And yes, Mo Ibrahim is a really good running back. And there were moments where it got a little scary. There was the 44-yard rush that he had. But there were some chunk rushes of like 15 yards where you just saw this immediate burst and thought, damn, if he gets going and we don't put this game away, it could get interesting. But that was as nervous as I was. The feeling of, oh, well, we better be careful here. The kick return that they had, yeah, scary moment, but then you immediately go down the field and get six. Just absolute domination where the margin does not reflect how much better you were. 
as the season goes on, things will have to get corrected. They'll have to punch in more touchdowns than field goals. And by the way, Fabrizio, my guy, 21 points on field goals in the last two weeks in the two biggest games of the year, right? This two-game home swing. And you're going to have to correct a few things. The kickoffs, yeah, please, touchbacks. I do appreciate that they adjusted and went with more of a squib or either kick it high and then to the second level, like a tight end at the 15 or 20. I like the adjustments they made, realizing they were not going to kick it out of the end zone. That's what this coaching staff's doing. They really never let the same thing happen twice to them, right? They, they correct it, and they correct it quickly. They correct it in the game, and all the while, Every time we had the ball, I thought we were just going to go right down and score. And more often than not, we did, even if it was a field goal. And every time they had the ball, I thought more often than not, we're going to stop them if we get them into a third and long. And more often than not, we did. It was the most eerie sense of calm and fun I've had in that stadium. The vibes could not have been better. Iowa had that nervous energy, right? I didn't feel that nervous energy yesterday in that stadium. And I'm going to get to the YouTube live feed here in a bit. But if you were in the stadium, I want to see what what did you think? Because at least from where I was sitting, I'm, we're just having a hell of a time saying, oh, well, this, this might be a good play call here. Oh, that was a nice tackle there. We're just enjoying the game that's in front of us without really any concern that some way or another, Illinois is going to find a way to blow this. What a remarkable feeling that is. And that is a testament to this coaching staff. It's a testament to this team and an immensely likable team that knocks the crap out of the opposition. There is no finesse about this team. No finesse. Unless you want to say the offense. I mean, the offense is very efficient, but man, when it comes down to it, if they got to make a physical play, they tend to do that. This is a tough team. There was a tackle that Devin Witherspoon had where he basically pile drove the wide receiver for Minnesota back. And this guy was doing all he could just to get back to the forward progress line. I mean, just violence, violence. And at the end of the game, all I could feel, well, not all I could feel, but what I mostly felt other than sublime happiness, like Carp, what's the matter with you? Like just slap happy was pride. And that's a word that gets thrown around a lot with sports and especially college sports. And maybe it's kind of silly because I had not a damn thing to do with what happened on the field. And yet, as someone that's been in that stadium for years and as someone that so badly, you know, and all this this pouting and, and complaining and moaning I've done over the years was really all stemming from the fact I just wanted a football team I could root for and I guess be proud of. And if you're an Illini fan, it is easy as hell to be proud of the way this team plays football. It's just good football. It just is. I mean, there's we're, we would have to nitpick to find the issues. And that speaks to the fact that fundamentally, they are the strongest Illini football team I've seen since the Sugar Bowl year. And that team was loaded with seniors and a senior quarterback in Kurt Kittner, who's a special, special Illini player, and he was there yesterday. I find more similarities with this team and the 01 team than the 07 team. Team being the big word, where you feel like this collective unit is making everyone around them better. And it's just this serendipitous, not everything going right, but really making things go right for you. I think that's the key. The four-win streak, uh, the four-game win streak the Lovey had, everything went right for you. Right, You got all the breaks. You needed them to win. We're finding out that this team doesn't need all the breaks. They don't need to punch all of them in for touchdowns. They're still going to beat you by 12. (laughs) They don't need to... uh, They can overcome a kickoff return that leads to an easy touchdown. No big deal. We got this. We got this under control. 
And it is really spilling over from the sideline and then to the people in the stands because doggone it, with the team right in front of us, we're 30 rows up. And as my dad pointed out at the end of the game, when we were in victory formation and you saw that sideline, this is contagious. It is a contagious, good feeling that's permeating not just our football Saturdays, but the entire week leading up to them. We have two weeks to sit in this, everybody. We got two weeks to sit and stew in a six and one season. And there will be some scary moments in this five game stretch. But you are set up to go four and one here. You're set up. You're going to be healthy. You're going to be rested. And I think there's a pretty good chance that you're going to win the next three games going into Michigan. I do know this much. You should win the next two, Nebraska and Michigan State, to set up the Big Ten West title, let's call it, against Purdue. What a position to be in. We're going to get into a lot of this. I'm going to get to your YouTube live comments. This is fun, everybody. This is fun. It does not get better than this. It really does not. Before I get too far ahead of myself, and I know I was, these opening segments get longer because I just I keep talking. This is fun. Got to remind you, the 200 level brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. You can order a custom zone with any toppings you want or one of their uh, favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. That's dpdoe.com. Also, let me just make sure I got this muted here. See, I got the YouTube screen on my computer. Good. I just didn't want to get feedback here with the audio from my computer. Rector Construction, all mine at RECTORConstruction.com for all your home exterior projects. We might be getting into colder temperatures, but these guys basically work year-round. So why not get a free quote today? They have expert craftsmanship, great customer service, and hey, they're Illini fans. They're townies. They give back to their community. As someone from Champaign-Urbana myself, I appreciate that. That's RECTORConstruction.com, R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com. All right, we also have State Farm Agent Brian Hansen. Online at brianismyguy.com, life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. We have homeowners homeowners and auto from Brian, and this is our third year, I think, with him. He just makes it seamless and easy, and of course, you get great State Farm prices to boot. That's State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. And finally, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, football, campfires, s'mores. It's that time of year. However, while it is sweatshirt weather, that means that even cooler temperatures are around the corner. So you probably better get your furnace checked. Matthew, great technician, came and checked ours. It is purring like a kitten. We've had that furnace working a little bit the last couple of weeks, and now we have that peace of mind that it is tip-top shape and ready to go. And we also scheduled our spring checkup for the AC, I think in April. So cannot speak highly enough of these guys. They are a newer sponsor, but I'd heard good things beforehand and after experiencing it, we can vouch ourselves. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Give them a call today at 217-841-4728. That's 217-841-4728. Tell them the 200 level sent you and get 10% off your furnace check. We got plenty of YouTube live, so thank you all for tuning in. We got 26 on a Sunday morning. That's pretty good. I, I really appreciate all the people, again, that said hi yesterday, all of you here, and all the listeners at home. Alana Inquirer, they're doing great work. That was what I listened to on my morning run as I ran around the stadium. I ran around the horseshoe. 
had to scope out. Uh, Kara has her parents coming to the Michigan State game and scoped out where their seats were. And yeah, get your tickets now, folks. I don't know how quickly they're going to go. I hope they start to go a little quicker and become more of a hot commodity. Michigan State will be a fun weekend in three weeks for Dad's Day. And then Purdue after that. And we'll we'll talk plenty about the Purdue game. I know there's two games to get to before that. Also, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Appreciate Champagne Showers. And next time, Champagne Showers, we'll have to tailgate. Apparently, we're really close to each other in Lot 31. All right, guys. We got a bunch here in the chat thread to get to. Let's see. I want to start here with... Well, Billy says, Happy Victory Sunday, all. Billy, aren't Sundays just better when Illinois wins? The Bears could be playing today, and it wouldn't really matter. They're an afterthought for me, and that's okay. The Yankees are probably going to have their season in today. I'm okay with that. I kind of want changes to be made because it's the same sleepy crap from the Yankees. Not complaining, just saying there's a reason I've kind of tuned out from them. From Adam, is $2 million per year really out of the question for Ryan Walters? I'm not so sure that it should be. Uh, it's not out of the question, Adam. The thing that we need to look for is would Colorado hire him they better interview him, and I, I can guarantee he'll get at least that. But considering they are in the Pac-12, and they are going to be in a state of, okay, where will they end up in this all conference realignment with USC and UCLA leaving? Where is Colorado going to find their niche? They're going to have to go somewhere. And if you want to position yourselves, you almost wonder, are they going to go with a safer pick? And maybe that's a retread head coach. Listen, Ryan Walters, I think, would do a tremendous job there. He, he is a special coach. You don't do these things without being a special coach. And if you watch him interviewed and you hear the players talk about him, this guy commands respect, and he does so in a very sort of quiet way. I always find those kinds of coaches the most intriguing because it's like they can impart what they need to with like a look of their eye. I know that sounds cliche, but you, you get the feeling that Ryan Walters can communicate and somehow gets his point across without ever really having to yell about it. And that if he does it's that much more effective because, whoa, whoa, Coach Walters just got pissed off. I would love to really watch him in a meeting room or, or up close talking with his defense. But yeah, he will be, he should be a $2 million a year guy. I say, why not? I think we would ante up. I think our donors have proven that they will pay up, whether that be, oh, shoot, um, whether that be for all the facilities or when it comes down to something like this. So yeah, something to look out for, Adam. Ron says, Illinois football is the best story in college football. Bielema has a good shot to be coach of the year. Yes, he does. Especially if they go 10-2. and two. You know, Michigan looms large, and I think Michigan's very good. We saw yesterday that they were trailing 17-14 to 14 against Penn State, and then they just boat raced him the rest of the game. Very good Michigan team. Though it's going to be a good game. I'm going to wake up that morning and we're going to wake up in Ipsy, which is a 15-minute drive from Ann Arbor, go with Kara and her brother-in-law and sister. And yeah, why the heck not? I think it's going to be fun and uh, you got a chance to win. 10-2, and two, I think Ron gets him National Coach of the Year consideration. 100%. Let's see here. Evan, I will definitely be in the lots for the Illinois-Purdue game going forward. Jacob says, good morning. It was so much fun. We're 6-1. and I have to pinch myself this morning. Jacob, I get the same sense as you do. This, this weird, is this really happening? It is happening. And eventually, you kind of go from this surreal pinch myself thing to, wow, this is just the reality we're living in. It goes from surreal to real. And that's the transition that I'm kind of going through. And I think the bye week may help me do that. More time to just kind of sit and simmer 
in this six and one start, which has overall been pretty dominant. And I'm going to have to kind of fight that, excuse me, fight that urge or fight that instinct, I guess, to go into the remaining games with that pit in my stomach. I, I, I think that the closer we get to tangibly grabbing the Big Ten West crown, which you're the favorites now, you are the odds on favorites, I would think. And I like what Jeremy said. He said 67%. I think that's pretty accurate when you look at the remaining schedule and that you get get Purdue at home and could get the tiebreaker. Yes, I think you're the odds-on favorite here. So in these two weeks before the Nebraska game, what I am going to fight against is that instinctive, oh, well, the bottom could fall out. Listen, it's football. Things could happen. We could have a key injury. And, and that would suck, right? It would suck. However, that would not take away from the fact that this is being built the right way we're ahead of schedule and that if things stay relatively calm in terms of injuries and nothing too crazy, I just have trust in this coaching staff that they will take care of business. And it's remarkable to be seven games into the year. And McCray was a big injury. There's no doubt about that. But you withstood that. You're six and one. And maybe McCray gets that, punches it in from the one yard line, Indiana, and we're talking about a seven and zero team. I don't mind, again, this may be silly of me to say this. I don't mind that Indiana game for what it was. Now, in hindsight, it's easy to say when you're 6-1. and one. I'd prefer to be 7-0, and oh, but I do wonder if that was just a valuable lesson that you cannot take anything for granted in these games. And ever since then, from that Virginia game, even with the turnovers in the Virginia game, it's as if this team has imposed their will every single Saturday. So I'll take it, or the Thursday if you include the Chattanooga game. But yes, I'm still pinching myself, Jacob. I will be interested to see if that shifts to, oh, well, this is what we are. Uh, I think the next two weeks will do that. John says, can you be drunk from sheer happiness asking for a friend? John, yes, you can be. I can attest to this. We got back from the game yesterday, and uh, I had odd drink in the game, but you're in there for three, three and a half hours. By the way, what an efficiently run game. This is why I like teams that run the ball, teams that like time of possession, we'll get to the time of possession. The most beautiful stat in the world. I absolutely love that from yesterday. Even more than the yardage gain, that time of possession. But I walked out to the lots and Kara was, she could see from my smile, like, oh man, like he's feeling good. She's like, hey, did you party in there? I was like, no, I, I didn't really. I'm, I'm literally just slap happy right now. I am today. I am slap happy. There is this overriding sense of joy that is more than any one drink or anything, whatever, hey, whatever you're into that makes you feel good. It's more than that. It enhances everything around you. So back at the tailgate lot had, in the span of like three hours post-game, had two drinks, right? Two drinks in three hours. And they were, you know, they were starting to pack things up and get everything loaded up. And again, still had this overriding just gleeful smile, just basking in the glow. My dad said that as well, just basking in it. And it really is those quiet moments sometimes where you look around and you're just seeing everybody hanging out at a tailgate, which we've done many times before, but you also recognize that everyone's like, whoa, this is more fun. You recognize that the casual fans, right? Which we've had discussions about that before. How much fun can they have? Well, they are noticing this too. You have casual fans or, or friends of mine that are more casual coming up and saying, damn, we're, we're really good. And I'm like, I know, we're really, really good. So yes, John, you can be drunk from sheer happiness. I sure was yesterday. It was nice to go. We had a couple nightcaps at Huber's. We were able to come back um, 
let the dog out, and then we we can walk to Hubris from where we're at. I saw our neighbors, and they actually are the owners of Hubris. They bought us around. They're so they're so nice, just very generous. And we kind of end our night at the neighborhood bar, and it was just again. I'm just there eating my popcorn and having my drink and just thinking, this is, this is, it doesn't get better than this. It doesn't. And I know it's only sports, but we also know that it's much more than that, right? This is something that's important to us. And when things are good with your football team, which we are so, uh, so rarely have experienced, God dang. Yes, John, that was a very long winded way of saying I'm happy and I'm not drunk. I'm drinking my coffee. Yeah, it's good coffee. I certainly feel better than last Sunday. I, I, I mentioned how the Iowa game and I, night games are a lot. Night games are a lot. 230 is the best. I like 11. I liked it because we had the rest of the day after the win to just soak in it. After the Iowa game, you come home and try to wind down and then it's 11 o'clock and then it's midnight. I think it was 1230 or one when I finally went to sleep. No. This, you get to just ride that wave the whole day. So I like the 11 a.m. game. The older I get, I get up early anyways. Okay, let's see here. We have Kripno says he's going to drive up, he or she, is going to drive up from Nashville for the Purdue game. We are legit. I say the word legit a lot, but it applies to this team, 100%. So enjoy the trip up from Nashville. If you can bring me Kirpnos, I would pay you good money to buy Dino's Hot Chicken. We went down to Nashville a few weeks ago. It was the day after the Chattanooga game. Got hot chicken at this little dive place called Dino's in East Nashville. If you were to bring that up, I swear to God, I'd give you a $50 bill or Venmo you 50 bucks for hot chicken from Dino's. Just saying, just saying. I don't know if you've ever been there, Kirpnos. In a way, I, I kind of was hoping for the Music City Bowl, though right now you're playing yourself out of that and you're playing yourself into a Florida Bowl game for January 2nd. I think that's probably more likely now, but... If the Music City Bowl happens, I'm driving down, going to Dino's, setting up the tailgate outside the Titan Stadium. What fun. This is Big Tota. Was nervous for every game in 07. This year, I'm confident in winning, and I'm not sure how to feel about it. I was more nervous than two, I think, Big Tota. The exceptions being the Penn State and Wisconsin games at home, which I haven't mentioned this yet. The Penn State-Wisconsin swing at home in 07. There was this weird, quiet confidence that had been brewing you lost to Missouri, but then you beat Western in an ugly game. Then you went on the road and you beat Syracuse and Indiana. And you did it handily. So by the time you came back for the Penn State game, it thought, oh, okay, I think we might be good. We might be good. Missouri certainly was good that year. I think they went to a high-level bowl as well. So those two games, I was not. But after the Iowa game, when they lost and they went to 5-2, and two, when they should have got bowl eligibility that day. I remember thinking, ah, crap. You know, that pit in the stomach thing kind of crept back in. Maybe this is the value in losing to Indiana in game two. You got that pit in the stomach out of the way, and then you went on this run. But I do agree that I was more nervous then. Even the Ball State game, if you recall, Illinois had to be Ball State to get bowl eligible. And this is the difference between the 07 team and this team. We're bowl eligible. And I haven't mentioned it. Joe, uh, Jeremy and Joey on their podcast said, oh, that's not even the story. I mean, and it's not. The bowl eligibility is great and everything, but you got bowl eligible on October 15th, and we aren't talking about that because it's not about just being bowl eligible. Back then, there was still a sense of, okay, just get over that hump. You had a two-win season before that. Just get to six. Okay, they did. I remember being very relieved after that Ball State game. And then they won on a hell of a run. They didn't lose again. 
After that Michigan regular season game, they did not lose again. And But I was still nervous at certain points. More so that season than this one. And I don't know if that's age or what, Big Tota, but there is this confidence, quiet confidence I have almost every Saturday watching this team. Bobo says, was not at the game because of work, but was working in parts of Champaign and I could hear the crowd, which was absolutely amazing. Yeah, it was loud in there, Bobo. You know, from the West Main... The west side looks great. If you get any TV shot of that, you almost wish that the press box had the the west main behind them because it's a great scene. So it's good to know that the players, when they come out, what they see is that west side and the horseshoe looking really good. East main was looking pretty good. They were not selling seats under the balcony so much, and that's okay. You don't need to. I think those should be some of the last tickets to go. You saw on the east balcony, that the corners mostly in the top 10 rows. Listen, I thought it was a good crowd. I We could get hung up on numbers and say, why well, wasn't the sellout? But I'm starting to see traditions kind of plant themselves here. You're starting to see that third down on defense is our moment as a fan base. And that's not necessarily an Illini-specific tradition. That's just any football team. You cheer for your team on third down. So I noticed yesterday the dominance that we had. If, they, if we got into a third and long... It wasn't going to happen for Minnesota. It just wasn't. And the crowd got loud. And in the third and fourth quarter, especially when you can start tasting that win after we got the touchdown to go back up in the third quarter, I thought, I don't think they're going to score again. I remember thinking that to myself. And I was like, let's be sure. Let's at least get another score and go up two possessions. And they did. And then they got another field goal as well to win by 12. But each third down after you took that lead was okay. This is, it felt like this is it. This is it. And continually, the defense did what they had to. You also started to notice the fans on third and shorts for the offense or the four fourth downs where I think we were perfect yesterday, four for four. You you hear the initial buzz like, oh, yeah, it's a big moment. And then you see the bench, the Illini bench do the quiet motion. And then that kind of goes back down to a low roar from the crowd. So you're starting to see that savviness or you're starting to see Illini football fans kind of pick up Again, on things that we didn't really have to think about for the last decade. Now we're having to think about how do we give our team a home field advantage? And that all seemed to be at play yesterday. I thought the crowd was great. I mean, the vibes were so good in that stadium. I love the three-hour game. I wish every game was three hours. That, That was why people love college football. This is why people spend money on college football like I do on concerts. I mean, yesterday was as much fun as I've had at concerts. Sometimes you'll lose, and I guess sometimes you'll, you'll go to bad concerts, but yesterday as a whole was like as good of a day as I've had at a Dave tailgate. Um, so yes, crowd was fantastic. This is from... Yeah, Jacob says there's no smoke and mirrors of this team. It's legit. The smoke and mirrors thing, I'm going to get right now to some of these stats before I get back to the chat thread here. I'm on the Illini, findillini.com, and they got team stats updated through yesterday. So Illinois 6-1, and 3-1 and one in conference. And I'm just going to go down the list here of stats that, you know, th- these are the basic ones. These are not advanced analytics or anything like that. But they paint a picture of just how dominant this thing has been. Points per game, Illinois 26 points per game. Opponents 8.8. You are outscoring your opponents by three. By a factor of three. 182 points on the year, uh, 62 for the opponents. That's 182 for Illinois, 62 total points for opponents through seven games. First downs, 
Illinois, 158. Opponents, 86. You've essentially doubled up your opponents on first downs. Rushing yards. You average 198.9 rushing yards per game. Opponents, 77.9. Passing. This is ridiculous. <laughs> you had the best passing defense in the nation, by the way. Right? I think in every, every metric. Illinois with 216 yards through the air per game. Opponents, 143. 10 touchdowns for Illinois through the air. Two for opponents through the air. Oh, I forgot to mention total touchdowns. Illinois has 19 touchdowns on the year. Their opponents have five. Five touchdowns in seven games. Total offense. Illinois has run 539 plays to their opponents, 409. Yardage per game. Illinois, 415. Opponents, 221. Basically doubling them up. Time of possession. Oh, be still my heart. 34 minutes and 50 seconds for Illinois. 25 minutes and 10 seconds for opponents. Third down conversion rate for opponents. 26%. On offense, you're converting about 38%. That's decent. Fourth down conversion rate. Illinois, 62%. They went for fourth down 16 times this year and gotten it 10 times. Opponents, two for nine. That's remarkable. The one stat, and I'm not going to call it nitpicky, we got to fix this. You've been in the red zone 33 times, you've gotten touchdowns 13 times. 13 other times, you've gotten field goals. So 26 out of 33 red zone trips have been fruitful. Opponents have only been in the red zone against Illinois 11 times. 11. They have three touchdowns in the red zone. They have four field goals. Absolutely insane. Absolutely nuts. I got the stats from yesterday's game that showed just how dominant this thing was. Illinois with 472 yards to Minnesota's 180. Illinois rushed the ball 54 times. Minnesota had 42 total plays. They only rushed it 24 times. I think they got away from that run a little too much. I know they were trying to run a balanced attack, but if they would have just done Mo Ibrahim from the start, it'd be interesting to see how that game would have went. Okay, yards gained on the ground, even though that was Minnesota's strength at 160, the most a team has gained on Illinois in a while. Illinois with 242. Okay, net passing yards. 252 for Illinois. 38 for Minnesota. This is college football in 2022. You gave up 38 passing yards to Minnesota. I think the Purdue matchup is great. I really do. Aiden O'Connell might get 150 yards, 200 by default. But I think that's a great matchup. I really do. Love love this secondary. And the fact that D-line just gets to quarterbacks. Total plays, 86 total plays for Illinois. 42 for Minnesota. You more than doubled them up on plays run. 27 first downs for Illinois. 12 for Minnesota. Insane. Also, look at this balance for Illinois. 54 rushes, 32 passing attempts. Barry Lunny is all about balance, skewing a little bit more towards the run game. And then you have Tommy DeVito, who was an absolute star. Let's not just say game manager or any of that anymore. There is an X factor that he brings. He is special. He's the best quarterback we've had since Kurt Kittner. I was going to say Nathan Shieldhouse, but you know Nathan had some talented teams. I would have loved to see a senior year Nathan Shieldhouse with like the 2010 team. 
but you didn't get that, unfortunately. Tommy DeVito's having the best season since Kurt Kittner, and there's really no argument about that. Between the wins and just the efficiency with which he runs the offense, some of these, like, Pro football uh, focus, they do the ratings each week. I think the highest rated quarterback in the nation was Tommy DeVito for week seven, understandably, because you could see it from the stands as we're watching that game and throw after throw that he makes. And hey, the receivers are pretty damn good too. Can we give a shout out to Brian Hightower and that over the shoulder catch? Perfect throw, perfect catch. Isaiah Williams, four third down conversion catches. 60 yards on, I think, seven or eight receptions. So not a lot per reception, but he made plays when he needed him to. Great to see Isaiah be back. Pat Bryant continues to be a scary player for the opponents. God dang, that's a good offense. And I think that they will figure out the red zone issues when McCray comes back. I almost prefer to have first and 10 from the 25 and first and goal from the five. Feels like whenever that field shortens. Credit to Barry Lunny for this. They were running Chase Brown up the middle. They, they, I think they were making a conscious effort. Don't overthink it. You got Chase Brown. You're at the five-yard line. Run it up the middle. I appreciate that. It didn't work. So what do they do? They know that Minnesota is going to sell out on that, on a second and goal from the five. And you see a keeper from DeVito who hit it beautifully because I couldn't tell that he had it from my vantage point, And he walks right in. Great video from Milo Eifler, or Milo, excuse me. He was on the sideline yesterday. If you find his Twitter account, you'll see he's got video of that touchdown. And then he's able to kind of take that phone and show the North stands and the West Main. And yeah, that was, that was a good, good crowd yesterday. And it had to be cool to feel it from the field as well. Okay, we have some fun stats here from Illini Stats and Notes. Illinois had the ball in today's game for a total of 40 minutes. Minnesota, which entered the day leading the nation in time of possession with 38 minutes. They had the ball for 19, 1956. Insanity. First time since 1983 that Illinois has beaten Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota in the same season. I'll say that again. First time that Illinois has beaten Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota in the same season. Crazy. Chase Brown leading the nation. In 10-plus yard runs of 33, the next closest has 24. And the first time since 93-94 that Illinois has beaten Minnesota in consecutive games. Looks like I'm having some internet connectivity issues. So let me try to get that going on the phone. Come on now. There we go. Ah, the audio podcast people are probably thinking, man, what's with this YouTube stream? Clearly my internet's not doing so great down here. So I'm, I'm going to ease up on the internet connection. Good to see you guys on YouTube again. A little bit of dead air, which everybody loves. Okay, we got a few more things I want to get to from the YouTube chat before we wrap this thing up because we will be back for a midweek podcast. Big Tota says, wasn't able to be at this game, but it looked better and sounded better on TV than the Iowa game. Don't know why, because I don't believe the attendance was any better. I, I think Big Tota, as I mentioned before, it was just uh, an easier vibe. People were more relaxed, but not in a sort of lethargic way. I think they were just more at ease and ready to be loud and not worry about, uh uh-oh, what if this goes south? See, the Iowa game, there was still that fear that, oh, we haven't beaten Iowa since 08. What if they get one play and they sneak a win out here? I think we, we still had a little bit of that fear quotient, not at all yesterday. So I think that's why it was louder. K. Andrew uh, says, I was at the Phillies playoff game yesterday, but it was nice. I was very distracted keeping track of the Illini on my phone. Watched the whole game on DVR last night when I got home. Just tremendous. 
Now I just want Wisconsin to beat Purdue and Camp Randall on our bye, and then Iowa to somehow fire Brian Ferentz and beat Purdue on 11-5. Hey, here's the deal. If Purdue wins the next two games, then yes, November 12th is what it is. It, it would be the de facto Big Ten West title, and that's okay. Uh, let's see here. Bobo says, Michaela Shore holds the single season rushing record with 1697. Chase through seven games has 1,059. He stays healthy. He will break that no problem. NJ Illini, New Jersey Illini, I would assume. Maybe a Yankees fan, NJ Illini. At least you got Illini football to keep your attention away from that mess with the Yankees. He says, as Brad Underwood would say, Tommy DeVito has swagger. His charisma and confidence are contagious. And you can see where he gets it from. I mentioned on last week's podcast that I met DeVito's mom the lot, and she was every bit the very friendly, gregarious Jersey mom, right? We were in the concourse yesterday at halftime, and I saw from afar DeVito's dad, I presume, wearing an orange DeVito jersey and with a short haircut, not quite a mullet, and he had a rat tail. And I thought, yes, total Jersey Shore, total swagger. DeVito just exudes it. You watched the interview with this kid yesterday, and he he's just funny. And he's got this sort of like, hey, I got this. And when he's on the field, you know, the contagious factor of whatever your quarterback exudes, the rest of your team is going to exude that too. Brandon Peters was sort of, okay, I got to be careful. Uh, He would sometimes take way too long to make a decision and way too often made the wrong decision. Wes Lunt was just a, a statue back there. So I think that, you know, between the injuries that he dealt with over his career, he never quite figured out what his personality should be. That was really a disjointed career for him. Tommy DeVito had one more year in college football. This was it. Syracuse, by the way, is undefeated, I think, or they're doing great themselves. So Dino Babers clearly does all right with quarterbacks, and their quarterback's doing well, but Tommy is just good. He's just a really good quarterback. And and I'm not going to... Early this year, the Wyoming game, I thought, oh, okay, well, he looks the part of someone that can just keep drives alive. Well, it's more than that. He's a playmaker, and he's a leader, and... If this season continues to this trajectory, there will never have been a one-year transfer that had the impact that Tommy DeVito had. In a way, he would go down as an Illini legend. Think about this. Five, ten years from now, if this team goes, you know, if this team makes a Big Ten West title game, do what they got to do to do that. Tommy DeVito comes back to campus, and he's going to be where Kurt Kittner was today. Okay, we're welcoming back Illini legend Tommy DeVito to start the I-L-L-I-N-I chant. And the reception he will get will be massive because if this thing is going the way that I think it is, this was the start. This was the beginning of it. And he is just essential to this team's overall chemistry is what it feels like. You hear the way that his teammates talk about him and you just see the way that they kind of rally around each other. And this is all kind of sports speak. It's fanboy meatball stuff, but... This team, that's what this team is doing to me. They're turning me back into a meatball fan. Okay, this is from Kay Andrew. There was a great red zone play call for a pass to Luke Ford that he didn't come down with either. I think the red zone offense will be better from here on out. Another one, Kay Andrew, was a back of the end zone pass, I think, to Hightower. And it was maybe a smidge high, but I thought a still decent throw, and Hightower just didn't quite get his feet in. I like that play call too. It just didn't work out. I'm not a huge fan of fade patterns. We saw a couple of those. Yes, sometimes you can get a pass interference, and that's great. I think that happened at Wisconsin. It gave you a new, fresh set of downs. I don't love fade patterns, though, even though I realize why coaches do it, because it really is not in danger of being picked off. And you, if you don't come down with it, there's a chance of the pass interference. 
Breaking news, everybody. Good. Illinois, 20th in the coaches poll. They were 27th last week in the coaches poll. AP, we'll see if they best that. So thank you, Bobo, for finding that news. K. Andrew says, NJ Illini fan, I'm in Jersey too, South Jersey. So, K. Andrew, you were at the Phillies game. NJ Illini, your Jersey. It's interesting. So, Jersey, is there a split where some are Phillies fans and some are Yankees and or Mets fans? That's interesting. I did not consider that. But, yeah, Philly is right on your doorstep. Okay, so before we get out of here, Illinois ranked, of course, again. They will move up in the AP rankings as well. We have a bye week, so here's what we're going to do. We'll be back Wednesday with a midweek podcast, and I don't know if I'll, I'll see if Trevor could maybe come. He was going to come Thursday, but his full-time job with Field of 68, I think they were doing a basketball preview for the Atlantic 10. Trevor is a busy guy. He's got his hands on a lot of content, so we'll get him down as soon as we can. Saw Isaac at the game yesterday. And we'll see if he can get on or not. But I, hey, listen, his job right now is with the DIA. What a good time to be in the DIA. He gets to kind of roam the stadium and check it out and do some social media stuff and take some pictures. And I know he gets to get on the field sometimes. So he gets to soak it in from a different vantage point. And from the videos I saw yesterday, the vantage point from the field was really cool. It's a great stadium. I've always thought to myself, God, if we can just win, this stadium could be such a home field advantage. Fans in the 80s would remember that from the Mike White era. I wasn't around for it. I saw the Michigan game in 2000. That place was bone-shakingly loud, and you know it's capable of that. You know Illini fans are capable of, capable of that. And on a beautiful fall Saturday, that stadium just glistens. It is a beautiful stadium. We got a great group picture with the stadium behind us, and the exterior and the interior are just, listen, it may not be a top 10 stadium in the nation, but I'm glad it's ours. I, I think it's beautiful. So AP should be released within the next hour, says Bobo. Yeah, by the time you're listening to this, you may know that Illinois is 19 or 18. But whatever it is, it is totally earned and totally valid. And I'm excited to see with the bye week, if there's not some more shuffling that goes on, the bye week cannot come at a better time. Sometimes I would be nervous about that. And I've mentioned before that the Nebraska game, I'm still fighting that instinct to be afraid that, uh-oh, what if something weird happens? But then I think to myself, wait, I need to give this team more credit. They've given me no reason, no reason to really worry about this. Yes, things could happen. There could be plays that don't go your way. But in terms of them being ready to play, I think they know what's in front of them. You know, Illinois basketball, they won a Big Ten title last year. And it was not without a few head-scratching losses. Ohio State at home was a frustrating one for sure. Um, and that was in the tail end of it where you, you needed some help to get there. There's something going on with this Illini football team that while there are some new fresh faces, overall it's still an older group. And because a lot of these older guys haven't been able to experience success themselves, they're, they're learning on the job and they're having to learn pretty quick how you stack wins. At this point, I'm not so concerned about how do they play with success because think about it. They beat Wisconsin, they beat Iowa. They get ranked. And then they played like the team with a chip on their shoulder against Minnesota, a Minnesota team that had to win that game. Minnesota needed it. And yeah, we needed it too, or if we didn't win it, we would have had some work to do. But we played like the team with our butts on fire, and they just sort of acquiesced late third quarter in the fourth quarter. They'd had enough. They cried uncle. So when it comes to Nebraska on the road, a team that went in and somehow, despite having half the number of plays run as Purdue, took Purdue to the wire. I don't know what that says about Purdue. I don't know what that says about Nebraska. But I just got to trust this coaching staff and this team, not just defense. The defense is elite. We, we know that. 
We know Nebraska has talent, but don't you feel like this defense will scheme it right and that they'll make the plays? But you have a good offense too. And you got a really good running back and you got a really good quarterback and you got receivers making plays. But at the end of the day, we can talk about all the success on both sides of the ball. The line play is just phenomenal. The line play is so good. And it's just weird. And we talked, Jacob mentioned this in the live chat. Pinch me, right? I'm still doing that in regards to just how efficiently this team does everything. Special team's not perfect, for sure, but good enough. And as we get this bye week to just sort of bask in the glow, and I hope you do that as much as I am, because this hey, it's my birthday week. I'm chilling, man. I will be happy on a college football Saturday to sit back, watch some games, and know that, oh, I got a 6-1 and one football team. So that's pretty cool. You know, there's Rosie Barkey. Maybe she's going to make her first appearance this year on the podcast. But it's fun, everybody. And I appreciate you guys tuning in on a Sunday morning. Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday podcast. <laughs> Big Tota, I you know, I am at that point where I could just turn these out at a high clip. So we'll see what I do midweek. I know Thursday I have parent-teacher conferences. Friday's my birthday, so I'm going to, I don't know, go see a movie, um, get something good to eat, pop by Huber's maybe, so I, I won't do a Friday. Maybe Saturday, just watching some college football and seeing if... Someone wants to come over, watch some football, pop on the podcast. We'll see. But yeah, I will get plenty out before the Nebraska game. And just as a heads up, the Nebraska weekend, I'm going to be in Louisville for a concert that Saturday evening. We'll know tomorrow what the game time is. If it's an 11 a.m. game, I'm just going to listen as I drive to Louisville. And I did that last year when Illinois was at Minnesota. I was going to Grand Rapids for a Dave show. So that's what I would do. If Illinois plays Nebraska at 11 a.m., I'm going to just listen to the radio, and then I could do a post-game podcast. And, you know, I'll give Brian Barnhart and Martin O'Donnell this. They're really good at their jobs. So even though I didn't watch the Minnesota game, I felt like I understood how that game went and what the important aspects were and the big plays and saw the fourth quarter, was able to do a podcast the next day when I got back home. But I will take my equipment with me to Louisville so that from my hotel room, I can either do a post-game podcast or if it's a 2.30 game, I can do a fourth quarter podcast. So we will make sure to have content regardless. And then Sunday, depending on the game, I might just wake up in the hotel with a cup of coffee and do another pod right then and there. So yes, we are going to put a bunch of these out because why not? We're soaking this all in and and I want to be sure to give you guys content so when you're on your working out or you're just trying to finish up the day of the office and you need some Alani stuff, hopefully we can help fill that void a little bit. And there's plenty of other great stuff out there as well. So thank you guys for tuning in. YouTube Live, I appreciate it for all the folks at home. And this is from Kay Andrew. Good. Okay, this is interesting to know. So pretty much Trenton and up are New York fans, more Philly fans south of there. Got it. Okay. Phillies are leading that series, I believe. So, yeah, I think uh, South Jersey is going to have more fun the next couple weeks than North Jersey, the way the Yankees are trending. But that's okay. Illinois football is good. I'm chilling. You know, one final thought. My dad and I were talking as we left the stadium. And it, it, you just look around and you see everybody just so happy. You see random ILL chances. You get outside the stadium. People are starting it. High-fiving strangers. Very cool. Trevor even texted us and said, this is beautiful. Like during the game, he was able to go fortunately yesterday. And yeah, it was, it was beautiful. And my dad says to me, and I I thought this myself, 
if Illinois hadn't been so bad at football over these years, would we have gotten in as into Yankees baseball as we did? The Yankees in October gave us something we could look forward to. My dad has a long history being a fan of them, and it was passed down, and I am still a Yankees fan. I'm, I'm kind of bummed where they're at right now. I just feel like they're stagnant. But there's no doubt, there's no doubt that I had a big Yankees flag uh, in my living room of the house for years and in my dorm room and all that. If Illinois football had been a legit program, it would not have been a Yankees flag, probably. It would have been an Illinois flag. And yes, we've always had basketball, except for the decade before Underwood got us going again. We've always had that, but there was always still something missing. And you can say basketball school, basketball school, and we are that. There's no doubt. But there's no reason we can't be both. Final thought before we go. I mentioned off the cuff to Jeremy, and I really can't stop shaking this thought. I always heard the 80s belong to the Illini. I got an 80s belong to the Illini shirt from Forth and Kirby. Great slogan, and for the most part, it was true. Basketball was red hot. Football, apart from a couple down years, is pretty good. They were relevant, right? Why not the 20s belong to the Illini? Seems like it does. From the New Year's Day of January 2020, and what Brad Underwood has done with basketball, and now what Brett Bielema is doing with football. It's only 2022, and doesn't it feel like this decade is really ours for the taking? So, I'll leave you with that thought. The 20s belong to the Illini. Would that make a good t-shirt? I'm not sure. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Got to thank DP Doe online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com. Hey, they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Maybe you got your celebratory calzone last night, dpdo.com. Got to thank Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com. Get a free quote today for your next home exterior project at rectorconstruction.com. Also got to thank Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. It's time to get your furnace checked. Give them a call today at 841-4728. That's 217-841-4728 and get your furnace checked. We did, and we're good to go for the winter. Mention us and get 10% off with Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy. And he can be your guy as well. So go online to brianismyguy.com. For Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network, for you watching at home, thank you, YouTube live streamers. Thank you for podcast listeners tuning in wherever you listen to us. Rate and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts if you get a minute. That helps us out as well. In fact, yesterday, uh, a fan dropped by and mentioned how they found us just searching Alani on on Apple Podcasts, and there we were. So the more ratings and reviews we get, the higher up we go on the charts, so to speak. Thank you all, though. This is fun, and I'm having a great time being part of this conversation, meeting some of you, interacting with you guys. This is what it's all about. And while I've mentioned fandom can be a very personal experience, it's enhanced when it's a shared experience and you get to see the happiness of others, which we've seen plenty of so far this season, and I have no doubts that that's going to continue. So let's keep it rolling. We will be back midweek. In the meantime, have a great start to your week. Wear your orange and blue to work. I sure will be. I don't know if I have enough Alani apparel to last me Monday through Friday at school, but I'm going to find a way. Actually, hell yeah, I got enough. We'll mix and match all the orange and blue stuff I have. We'll see you soon, everybody. Oski Wow Wow, ILL, all of that. I'm on board, and I'm sure you are too. All right, it is the 200 level. 